0: This is Coda Radio, episode 148, for April 6th, 2015. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. And my name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast. It's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hey, hey, hey! Hello, sir. How are you on the East Coast? Good afternoon.
1: I am okay. How are you? I'm
0: good. It's the morning over here. I had myself a little coffee, and before we just started, I'm a little excited. I just cracked open a sparkling strawberry watermelon water. So ah. I feel like that's all I really need to have a good show is a little coffee in the morning, you know, to get things going, get the brain started, uh, and then a little sparkling uh, strawberry lemonade during the show to keep me happy. It's like that's the soothing, you know, like a little treat. It's the uh, sugar I need to take my medicine that is Coda Radio.
1: (laughs) Oh, and it's going to be quite the medicine today. Yeah,
0: I I actually don't even know what our topic is, but you told me, you said prepare yourself. And I said, uh, there's only one thing I can do, and that is to wear suspenders. And so I have. I've put suspenders on, Mr. Dominic. Mm. I am ready to go with these suspenders. I got my my Android watch on, and uh, it'll let me know if anything important happens during the event. Um, Mostly, it just constantly wants me to say, okay, Google. Constantly. And then it never stops it. It never stops with the speaking. Um, but otherwise, I like it a lot. All right, Mr. Dominic. <clears throat> We've been a little negligent on our feedback recently. And uh, the program director wrote in. Uh, you know, the guy's upstairs in the suits. Oh, uh, god. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Rick this time, Mr. Dominic. It was Larry. Oh. Larry, he sent a memo. Didn't even, didn't even come downstairs. And uh, he said, look, we... I've got to do some more feedback on your Coder Radio program. And I said, but Larry, the feedback was a little mixed. You know, they were complaining about the mumble room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, oh.
0: Yeah. And so Larry and I uh, have a couple of memos back and forth. as people talk to my people. And so uh, long story short, uh, uh, we're doing feedback at the top of the show again. Do you buy any of that? I buy none of it. Yeah, I actually kind of like doing feedback at the end of the show last week. Do you want to save it for the end of the week? I mean, Larry might get us in trouble. We could just save it for the end of the show. Why don't we do that? We'll save it for the All end right. of the show yeah all right very good Very very fancy so uh, before we go too much further then uh just something that's uh coming up on our radar it's uh it's we're tracking it right now. You guys know we've talked about it, but since we have last gotten together. Uh, I have gotten an official, and I put together a meetup uh, for Jupiter Broadcasting, a meetup group at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting.
1: Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so uh, as we go out and about throughout the year, we'll be doing events in different towns, and uh, we'll be coordinating those events on our meetup page. We're starting with Linux Fest Northwest. So if you're going to be attending Linux Fest Northwest audience, please go to ju- uh, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. So, so far, we've had 33 people sign up, which isn't too bad. Um,. I'm a little skeptical, though, because this is always how this kind of stuff works, right? Because uh, last year, we had about, what, 40, 60 people sign up? I don't remember how many it was, but 100 people signed up for our Google Plus event. And we're like, wow, cool, 100 people. And then 700 people showed up. Oh, boy. Yeah. So maybe if you are just thinking about it, look, if you've got a throwaway Facebook account, or you may, I don't care. I'm not going to be judgy. Just go over to com slash Jupiter Broadcasting and sign up. Why? Why should you do it? Well, A, you'll know when we're doing events in your area. B, I'll get an idea of maybe how many people are thinking about coming. And C, I'm paying $15 a month for this meetup page. And I, I want to get more than 60 people on there to make it worth it. Uh, because what I'd love to be able to do is throughout the year just, hey, hey, we're having an event. Join us if you're in the area. Uh, let's meet up and talk with people of like minds and... Uh, Maybe we'll record some of it. So you get started by going to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. If you're going to make it to Linux Fest Northwest, go RSVP there, and uh, we'll be giving out uh, updates like uh, as the after-party nears. Um, uh, details on that will be there. So jupyterpodcasting.com slash meetup will be how we organize this S, and maybe future events. And you never know, maybe if I'm on the East Coast sometime, you know, for some reason.
1: What, the East Coast? If
0: I on the East Coast... <laughs> And I was going to go somewhere and meet up with people, I would probably do it on a meetup thing, right? That's how that I
1: meetup mean, works. You ever use that yeah. meetup before? I have, actually. It's not bad. But let Let's me ask okay. you about the East Coast. I yeah. mean, what's, what's on the East Coast? Nothing. Sadness.
0: Yeah, sadness. Uh, a lot of stress, I gather, oh. and some attitude. Yeah. But other than that. Dare, dare I say, catitude. Ooh. Yeah, there is a, there is, you know, you're kind, of a, you're kind of an odd duck being a developer on the East Coast. Don't you know that's not how it's supposed to be?
1: I know. I, I, I feel the pain every day.
0: We only make software on the West Coast. Right. Yeah. So you're a, little, you're a little bit of an odd duck.
1: I'm a strange dude.
0: That's what they say. That's what they say. So I want all of you, Xapier, Xcari, uh, especially you, JBot, in the chat room. Definitely, uh, definitely you, Rango <sighs> Bob. Or is that Boob? Ranger Bob. Ranger <sighs> Boob. I want you to come to Linux Fest Northwest and you can tell me how to say your name. So uh, go to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. We should have the whole Coder Radio audience there. We would just have to call it Coder Radio Fest, though. We wouldn't be able to call it Linux Fest.
1: We could call it Coder Fest, and then we could not have Linux. But imagine, I- like,
0: if we, if we had the ability to just, like, beam everyone in the audience to one place, it would be such a party. It would be so huge. I mean, we would have to – I don't even know what kind of uh, a venue. Probably some big-ass venue. Some really big-ass venue. Like <laughs> it'd be like you'd be like President Obama up on that stage when he was like popular, <laughs> and he had all those people come to his
1: speeches. That'd be you, you mean when he was lying and people believed him? Oh yeah. God, oh, sorry. What?
0: Oh, all right. Let's uh, let's uh, fine. You know what? Let's uh, before we get into your, I'm not ready to get into your topic yet. Is that okay? I don't want to give that's, up too, that's m- fine. too much. That's fine, that's fine. Right. That's fine. That's fine. Go uh, ahead. All right. I want to read this email that came in from Auto uh, Propulse. Oh, you're welcome, Larry. Uh, and uh, it's because uh, we were talking a little about our. Oh my gosh. Michael, we were talking about our perfect computer setups and good development rigs. I have a really, I have a rig upstairs that I love a lot. It was originally a Hackintosh, and then I got rid of Hackintoshes and I rebuilt it and I put extra drives in there and SSD and I put a nice video card in there and I set it up with a beautiful Arch installation. It's just so beautiful. So my best machine, everything ran great on it. All the games worked perfectly. All the software I wanted was installed. All my encryption settings were all set up. It was like. I've literally said to Rekai a few times, like, if I could have anything in the world I want, I would be able to replicate this computer and everywhere that I sit down that I have a computer that's important to me, it's this machine. Like I would every part, every I don't care this it's two years old, I want it, I want exact copies of this machine everywhere because it's so great. Have you ever had a computer like that? That's just so wonderful. Like No. Like, it's the sweet spot. And it, it it happens it happens for me once a decade. Once a decade I get a computer that's like Oh, man, I'm going to look back fondly on this computer and remember that this was a really important computer to me. Like, I have a couple of computers that are, like, genuinely, like, uh, of significant importance to me. And most of them are all just temporary, you know, fly-by-night, which is, you know, they last me a couple of years, and I'm on to the next thing. This computer, though, this goes in the great collection. This computer I would take everywhere if it wasn't such a huge-ass PC. And that's one of the reasons why it was so powerful because it's a full rig, you know, with PCI Express slots and everything's all uh, hooked up, like, not over USB but over direct SATA. And, like, it's just a good-ass rig, real fast, real powerful, throw any task at you. SSD died on me over the weekend. The SSD died. That's so sad. My perfect computer now doesn't boot. And you know it will never be as perfect. Like, I will get it good again, but it will never be as perfect. And now, I don't got time for that. I I don't got time to go up there and reload my my main workstation here at the office. And no, I don't have a snapshot or a backup of it, because it was perfect. So, why would I? (laughs) Damn it. So, anyways, I don't know. I've never had an SSD go out on me, ever. Never had an SSD go out on me. I know, Echo. I don't know how that happened. But, the main root file system can't be mounted, and it's on the SSD, but all the other drives are fine, so... We'll find out. But yeah, it looks like it's the SSD.
1: That's because you were running Linux.
0: So Auto Propulse writes in, and he says, I rather <laughs> wouldn't... Uh, 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 let's see, hold on. I, I rather wouldn't mention who you are, so he's not going to put his name in here, uh, but I work for a place that you probably buy from instantly uh, in the Seattle area. And they have a sad, sad state of development environment, and their back-end devs would shock you at their talent level. Um, I'll leave it at that. If you can figure out what company that is in the Seattle area that you buy things from probably and ship them quickly. You quicker. know,
1: do you know that there's this really big river? Yeah. Um very dangerous though. Giant snakes live yeah, on.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And there's also women that are in there.
1: Mm with with, with bows and arrows and yes, things, yeah. Yes.
0: And so apparently in this environment they have according to this source,
1: it's a uh, savage environment. That's uh, what we're getting. He
0: works uh, 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 and he says he says in the email he can't go into too many details cuz he only he only says he only glanced over the NDA. <laughs> So he you know, can't give oh, us all boy. the details. But uh, he says, um, Unless you develop in a complete isolation or for a third-party platform, you must use the community build system. This allows dependencies for everyone else's code, too. It only, performs, it only will perform a build for one system, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 5. That means every single dev has to maintain a Red Hat Enterprise Linux 5 virtual machine uh, I, and most develop in that virtual machine. I've decided to use SSHFS to allow me to develop in Ubuntu 14.04 but build in the virtual machine. It's a mate flavor, but I've turned off the desktop and replaced it with i3. At my desk, I have one vertical monitor on the left, which I use for long living terminal processes that I wanted to output the logs, like, say, tailing a log, watching a build, doing a parallel SSH to 100 EC2 hosts, etc. Exa- etc. Et uh, one horizontal in the middle, which has IntelliJ for another terminal I live in. Or another terminal, depending if it's IntelliJ or another terminal. Or one horizontal. Oh, I'm sorry. And then one horizontal on the right, which is the only screen for my Windows desktop, which has the Microsoft Exchange suite. Ugh. Uh, He says, I wish there wasn't a good way to use this in Linux without using the web interface. Yeah, I guess. You know, you could always use Crossover or... um evolution, I suppose. My favorite part is using Synergy to share the mouse, keyboard, and clipboard between the Ubuntu box and the Windows laptop. This allows me to use all three screens as if they're on the same machine and made it into a loop so if I go to the right edge, it'll reappear on the left. It's fun for wasting time during builds. <laughs> hope this wasn't, I hope this was somewhat interesting. Uh, just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to how silly things are. See you at Linux Fest Northwest. Oh, man, I hope I get more details at Linux Fest oh, Northwest. Oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna
1: have to liquor this guy up and, uh, <laughs> we, yeah. and pump him for information. Yeah.
0: All right, Mr. Otto, you are on. Drinks on. you Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, and then um, I had one more. Uh, It was from a a company in in Los Angeles, a small company, uh, that was just bought by a big eastern company. So you should be able to relate to this, Mr. Dominic, because East Coast just came in. Don't walk. So Esteban Rice, he says, the big company was a completely different culture. They like reports. They like order. And they want us all to stay within the lines. So from a loose startup, no tie, no suit company to a straight lace culture. Since I can't live under this culture, I'll be making big changes in my life. Your podcast for me is very timely. Keep up this great podcast and turn into the wave.
1: Agent Smith. That's my man. Turn into the waves, steer into the skid, yeah. and land that baby in the Hudson. That's hey, how you do it.
0: Do you know over the weekend I read this article about an office that worked naked for a month, everybody in the office, except for one dude. I,
1: I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. Was this your office?
0: No, although um depends on the time. If it's usually about an hour before a show, technically there's a good chance I could be naked because why, why why wear pants?
1: But... Mm, well, this is this has gotten informative.
0: Yes. Why don't we take a moment and I'll tell you about something else that's very informative, something that perhaps could change your life. And no, Where it's they not, wear pants. Well. Actually, Pants would probably be optional because it's all under your own control. Why? Because it's Linux Academy, our first sponsor on the Coder Radio program. That's right, linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's where you can go to get our special hookup on the Coder Radio discount. Linuxacademy.com is going to change your life. It is a set of tools built by educators, open source enthusiasts, Linux fans, and obviously developers that have come together to build something very unique. There's nothing like it on the internet for a very good reason because nobody else has come together like this team. Nobody else has the experience. And if you go there and sign up, you'll see what I'm talking about. You're going to get step-by-step video courses for all of the courseware. You have downloadable comprehensive study guides. You can take them with you. You save them for the long term. There's audio so you can listen to them while you're on the go so you can stay productive and keep learning. And the labs, those are just, this is, uh, I think this is such a sweet feature. So it comes with your own server. So the labs are just part of the courseware. So as you get somewhere in the course where you need to try something on a server, well, guess what? They just spin up a server for you. They give you a, a public SSH uh, IP to log into. Bob's your uncle. You're now working in the environment. And what else is really cool is they have seven plus Linux distributions that you get to choose from. So whatever you're the most comfortable with or whatever environment you need to learn in or whatever environment that is you're going to be going into, which is a great opportunity if you need to transition and just want to kind of learn the nuances because Linux is Linux. If you've, earned, if you've been working at uh, some place that's named after a river, working on Red Hat Enterprise Linux 5, which would literally make me want to cut myself. I'm not even kidding. I would really honestly drive me crazy. Sorry, Red Hat guys. Red Hat Enterprise Linux 5, I, I honestly would rather flip burgers, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. So what I would do is I would go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, and I would learn how to do it on Ubuntu. That's what I would do. I mean, you could use a Red Hat Enterprise Linux, maybe a newer version, or one of the other 7 plus distributions you get to choose from. And you get to transition that knowledge set, knowledge set move that over to an environment that makes you happy. Once you get happier, once you go into a career that's going to make you happy, you're going to excel in that job and you're going to make more money than you ever have before. That's not hocus pocus. That's just how it works. That's human nature. And Linux Academy has given you the tool set to equip for that. They've got all of the stuff in there to keep you right on course to see exactly how long something is going to take. If you only have a certain amount of time available, they can just go in there and set up the learning plan. It'll adjust to just your your Availability and remind you when quizzes are coming up. And they have, of course, the live streams that are a great help as well. Linuxacademy.com/slash coders. Go get that Coder Radio discount plus supporting the Coder Radio program. Red Hat, Linux, Python, OpenStack, Android, DevOps. I mean, everything from doing backups to learning Docker. And uh, don't forget, they got a big content update coming on April 16th. Live stream, 9 p.m. Central Time. Great time to be a Linux Academy customer because just a, this is going to be one of their biggest pushes yet. You're going to see what these guys are about, and I think you're going to be really impressed. And uh, congrats to them, too, for really the success they've seen over the last year. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders, the best in the business. Go check it out. Now, Mr. Dominic, we could uh, dip our toes. I have a couple of ideas. We could dip our toes in the topic if you're ready. If you're ready, we could do that. If you want to. Mm-hmm. now it's I am ready. All right. So, but what I know is your one other thing.
1: idea? Let's let's hear your ideas.
0: Oh, no, no. Uh, I was just going to. Uh, I was going to do a little medley from the uh, subreddit because I feel like we haven't been giving the subreddit much love in the last couple of episodes. But I could totally save that for next week. In fact, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we? Why don't we say let's do? So one of the things we've done recently is we did the mumble room for topic drives. Right. Why don't we do a topic push in the? Let's let the subreddit sort of. So you and I will discuss them, but the community will sort of drive the topics for next week's episode. So one forty nine. Go to radio.reddit.com, submit a topic, and then help vote it up. You don't, even if you don't want to submit, you just vote and comment. And uh, we'll go in there next week and talk about the top comments. Because right now, because I was looking at the subreddit, and it's, been, it's, slowed down, it's slowed down in recent history, so I'd like to kind of get right. it going again. But the one topic that's in there is Python versus Ruby, the work shape smackdown, which could totally be a topic. But I think we should wait till next week and let the uh, Reddit pick it.
1: Hmm, fair enough. You like that? So I like that. So. I- Chris, my topic this week is is one that I, I'm kind of surprised we didn't cover before.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think maybe we've got And in, 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 I think we've gotten close uh, from questions right. from the audience because I know we have gotten questions that dance around this.
1: Right. So you know, we get a lot of emails. Oh, geez, every week we must get from someone saying, "Hey, I have a job at a you know an agency. I'm thinking of quitting and doing a, you know being a consultant. Yes. How do I bid a project?
0: Right. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the big question mark.
1: Right, and let me ask you this: How did you used to bid projects, Chris? Like, what was the methodology?
0: Oh, you, you okay? <clears throat> so, you know, initially it started with a very technical approach. Um, let me come in and give you a full uh, uh, situation evaluation, and based on how you pass that uh, and the criteria that I score that, that would that would sort of drive the the price. Very formulaic, very very clear, very easy to demonstrate. Uh, and so later on, uh, what I what I learned to do was uh, learn to trust my gut a little bit more, and I would still lead with the formulaic approach. It's sort of a presentation piece. Sort of a, you're being taken care of, I have this under control, these are things I'm considering piece. And really what I would bet, bet, bet my price on is what my gut told me they could afford. And I would generally do hourly, unless it was for something very specific. And the reason why I generally do hourly, I know, I know we're going to debate this, but for me, I, I find it to be A lot easier to say, this is, in my experience, how long this thing takes me, but because your system is a legacy system, or because this has to be ported, or because this has to be migrated, or because this uh, vendor is in play... I cannot yes. account for that, and so that all has to be done hourly. So a lot of times what I do is sort of a fixed bid with hourly component, and that looks like this. It's a project. Here's your material cost, in this case hardware software licensing, and here's my estimated cost of total hours. I roll that all into one big project cost, and then I also attach hourly along that. So what I do is I say, you have a fixed set of hours. Now, usually on a big project, it's more than just a week. Maybe it's like three months' worth of hours, right? So because I'm giving them invoicing at the end of the week or every two weeks or at the end of the month, generally at the end of every week is how I like to do it, uh, then uh, that sort of gives them a constant checkpoint every single Friday of how much of the hour bank they have withdrawn from from this project. With the clear with the clear on the project, it clearly states on like the, the, the invoice right there with the little asterisk, once this hour bank has been withdrawn, then we switch to hourly at this rate. And that rate is agreed upon at the time of the project we sign it so it's sort of like fixed bid with hourly slip over and, and the pricing the actual price uh, that could be anything honestly I have charged from $60 an hour to $135 an hour to on weekends 275 an hour so and that's all been on what my gut thinks my client will pay and how do I figure that out well I, I listen basically I just have the ability to have a conversation and I talk to them and I get a sense for where their business is at, if they're growing, if they're struggling, if they're facing. If I see a lot of times, the great spot is a company that has money that just needs to break through the next level, and they just need to throw some tools at it. Um, this is why I, I, I found for for my business that the medical industry was extremely uh, uh, um, able to pay. <laughs> uh, like I had uh, I had clients that were very well off doctors, and the thing is, is it's not because um, they. It's not, it's not because I'm taking advantage of them. It's because um, if you don't charge enough, they, at least these clients, don't respect you. They, uh, they don't value you. They don't value your time. They will ask you things they normally wouldn't ask you. Uh, but you have to be careful because if you go too far, then you price yourself out and they'll never call you. They'll never email you. They'll never ask for your help because you're too expensive. And then that next guy right. that comes along who's a little bit cheaper is the guy they'll start asking. And then it starts with, well, when we have something simple, we ask Rick. And then when we have an advanced network thing, yep. then we talk to Chris. And yet, yep. that's an area you've got to be really careful.
1: Yeah. So I used to do something very not similar. <laughs> I used to only do pure, pure hourly, meaning that, you know, now the rate depended on more to, to do with the customer, right? There's an acceptable range, yeah. and yeah. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't go below a certain number at the time. Right. Um, yeah, you got your limit. Got your limit. Got your upper bound and your lower bound. And then I said, well, you know, a lot of these apps are similar. Why can't you do them as, like, a fixed price? Hmm. Because mm. you're
0: maybe reusing components.
1: Well, it turns out that even if you're writing the same thing for two different people, the fact that there's two different people there will change the situation. Right. And interestingly enough, I've even found like with the same customers that the attitude of an hourly deal versus a fixed bid deal is totally different from their perspective.
0: They're less stressed over the fixed bid?
1: They are more stressed over the fixed. Oh, bit. really? So they're I would think less, because the w-
0: clock's not running, they're more willing to engage with you because it's like, well, this conversation doesn't have a dollar price necessarily directly attached to it.
1: Mm, but, but the issue is that it's a one-time purchase in their mind, right? So what started to happen was we'd have people who would disappear for two months and refuse to sign acceptance documents because, oh, we're, we're just not sure, and once we sign it, the project's over. Hmm. Now, this was a problem only on the low end, right? This is a problem that exists truly on the low end, and there's an argument to be made you should not be on the low end, right?
0: Well, in apps, there's a lot of low end.
1: There's a lot of low end, and the low end is, um, you know, it, it is a very easy place to get a lot of business, but there's probably a good portion of that business you just don't, especially want. especially
0: soliciting it online. You know, that's the kind right. of business it's easier to just get online and not have to do the physical person to person. Right. You don't
1: have to do the PowerPoint presentation. You don't have to do the, uh, you know, driving to someone's uh, office. I don't know, pub or of or choice to, right. to do or a the Right. Or doing a lunch thing. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I could see both arguments here. I could say, like, as, you know, as the client, Well, fixed bid is obviously better for me if I was the client, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Because it generally means that the vendor is assuming the risk of the project. Now, that's usually not true because almost every fixed bid contract I've ever seen, even from local uh, other people I've worked with, other, other competitors, things like that, have always had like weasel clauses where it's technically is fixed bid only until yeah. it isn't. Yeah, well, they say, oh, everybody, yeah. Everybody,
0: everybody. anybody that's been in business for a while gets bit by scope creep within their first couple of right. projects.
1: And, and I do that too, right? Like all of them have escape clauses and like and if you're unreasonable, we can breach this without penalty <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah. You know, walk away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, the, the issue – I find is that it totally changes the conversation so much to the point that, yeah, as, a, as a client, I don't think I would ever hire anyone on a fixed bid. Interesting. Because Interesting. You're, you're, especially if you're in a company and you're like the middle person or the partner oh. of a two-man shop, your priority becomes avoiding triggering that extra hourly overage charge. Well,
0: rather at, you know, than take this from another angle. Like, sure, go ahead. If you were going to hire Chris Fisher, To give you consultation on the best way to get the most out of a contractor, you pay them hourly. Right. Because if if I give you a fixed bid, and you know this, everybody's smart enough to know this, it is within my best interest to put the least amount of hours into that fixed bid possible because then I make the most amount of money. And so a lot of times, I'm going to fix bid on stuff that I can kind of cookie-cutter stuff that I can roll out templates for, stuff I've done a hundred times, stuff like that, a lot of times. And, and the thing is, I'm maybe not going to give... I mean, I don't know. It's like if, I'm gonna, if I was going to hire somebody today, I would prefer them to be on hourly because I feel like they're more invested themselves. So it's not just a matter of where the client's head is at, which is critically important to think about, but also where your head is at.
1: Yeah, that's, that's super fair. I, 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 you know, I wonder... Like the other thing is a software project, right? You don't know. I mean, you might have you know a beautiful Excel document, and a huge PowerPoint of what you want. Once you get past the first milestone, you know that's going to change. I mean, or you should know. So then you get into all these weird change management issues,
0: and you also start to lose people's focus on it because okay. it's 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 a thing. It's happened. It's been paid for, and so it starts to fall into this. Now we just it, it like it loses its importance in a sense.
1: Yeah. I mean I, you know, I tend to have to hire like graphics designers, branding people to do stuff like that, right? I've done fixed bids with them. I've done hourly. And I've almost always had to throw out the work from a fixed bid and just redo it or have someone do it. Wow. I mean because that's
0: super frustrating.
1: It's super frustrating. And yeah, sure, it was – You know, obviously you're working with a budget and you can't spend – you know, I, I talked to uh, one company who I won't name about getting some logos done for a client a couple months back. They wanted two thousand dollars for an app logo. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. I yep. kind of asked them what what they were smoking and if they were serious. Um, they were deadly serious, right? They were, yeah, two grand.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we work with designers for our new logos for like text and all the new logos we've done over the last year or two have all been done by designers. Right. And uh with the exception of Mr. Cheese Bacon in the chat room, they're all a real sure. pain in the ass.
1: <laughs> I like cheesy bacon. Man.
0: Yeah, cheese bacon's good. Mr. Bacon's got it down. Uh you know, he'll just hang out with you, you'd have a beer and he'll he'll design you something.
1: So yeah, you know, let me ask you, what what is the damage that on um, a logo for you? Just curious.
0: Well, you know what we've started doing? Because it was about we were getting quoted two thousand dollars, I'm just like I can't I
1: can't. I just, you can just I can't. can't do that.
0: Right. So uh and I, I was a little apprehensive because my mom is a graphics designer. So, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how she feels about the service like this, but we started using 99designs. You ever ever use 99designs?
1: No, what's that?
0: Probably should be, seriously, this should probably be a sponsor of our show. Um, So, 99designs... uh, uh, gosh, boy, it actually almost hurts me because now, now that I'm saying this, I'm like, yeah, this, I, this could be a sponsor because I use them uh, oh, and they'd wow. be very useful. Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah, looking so at their site it, now. Yeah, it's a bid. It's a bid service for, for designs. And so you go in there and say, I want to accomplish this. I'm willing to spend this is my price range. And then you get a couple, I mean, maybe 160 artists that submit designs for you. Now, here's the thing about that. It has the, so if you are a little, if you're a little rough, a little unsure of what you want, what you want your look to be, Right, it has the advantage of getting a hundred different designers' opinions on it.
1: To get a shot.
0: And then all of a sudden, definitely for me, I go, oh, I don't like that. I really don't like that. I don't like that. Oh, shit, that's kind of close. And then what happens is you you nail, you you, you zero, boy, it's not even loading for me right now. Uh, You you, you narrow in on like maybe say four or five that you kind of like, and then all the other designers can see which ones you liked, and they go, oh, that's his style. And then they can all resubmit Along that style, and then you vote, and you you basically have a couple of elimination rounds, and then when you get to the end, to the final round, you're essentially committed to that designer at that point.
1: And then you have to what do you you buy it uh, for? For it says three hundred dollars for logo. Is that yeah. how it works? Okay, yeah. That's really interesting. That must suck for designers, but yeah,
0: exactly. But in that know. process, I, I like I don't now I don't know of a better way to figure out. How well, do the logo. problem
1: is, you know, I, I've had, like, I've had all kinds of crazy clients, right? And I've had clients try to say, well, we don't want this anymore, so why should we have to pay for it and all this kind of stuff? I, I kind of feel that, like, it must be awful to be a designer because how often does some guy just decide, you know what? I don't like this. I'm not using it. Then you, you're in oh, an yeah. argument about the work, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so in I've this kn-
0: case, you're committed on that final round. You, yeah, you're gonna-
1: you're, so you – presumably, you've gone through all the rounds and, and you couldn't possibly – uh I think I might have to do this, Mr. Fisher.
0: Mm-hmm. I know it kind of... It does drive down price, but I think there's a certain kind of developer that it, it doesn't drive down the price for, so I think it's okay. Right. And I'm just having so, the worst... I can't get web pages to load
1: today. I'm glad, I'm glad you no. and I are still talking. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, we got on a little tangent about the design, but, yeah. you know, I, I've i done a lot of, like... um. Different types of projects for different type of people, right? I'm kind of doing some transition stuff now. And it occurred to me that the most successful projects were ones where the client came in saying, like, this is what we think we want. We know that's not true. Mm. But let, let's just start. Let's do a phase one. Yeah. And let's just iterate, 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 iterate right. until, until we get something good. Right. Now, the obvious disadvantage of that is they have, you have to have deep pockets, Right. But I'm thinking of every app that I've worked on that has been actually successful, like commercially successful, has been that agile, hourly, iterative process, not the oh well, you know, we have ten grand to do an app and yeah. let's see if how it goes, and invariably you get an app, but mid- mm-hmm. with midway through the project, you probably have changed your mind. Yeah. And that's not going to be good for anybody. I, I
0: feel like what you're talking about is the perfect client is somebody who's already been through the process a few times. So that's the perfect yeah. It was client.
1: someone who's knowledgeable. Like one thing, I was actually uh, I was actually with a buddy at lunch today, and because I was uh, visiting some relatives, and a guy works in uh, high end IT was telling me, well, of course he he basically told me I was crazy for ever doing fixed bids. He says. How could you do a fixed bit? It's a, it's an art, not a science. You don't you have no right, idea right. how long it's going to take. Is
0: that? Do you think that's true? Is it an art and not a science? Be- I
1: think that's what the issue. And, and some of the art isn't just oh, because the, the programming itself isn't hard. Yeah. The problem tends to be, you know, everything. Like we had one situation about a month ago where um, we had a client who hired a designer outside, which is fine, and the designer came back with these awesome comps. It looked great in a PowerPoint. Guess okay. what? buttons are way too small too much crap on the screen <laughs> totally not workable in the yeah, real world yeah right
0: yeah
1: I, I feel like any of that like big design up front any of that like oh we're gonna sit down we're gonna hammer out a spec and you know we're gonna be married to the spec and this is what it's gonna cost you know not a penny less not a penny more because sometimes it should be less right because when you end up doing fixed bids you end up having to overbid to protect yourself um once you've been burned two or three times is that even worth it? Like, I'm thinking of developing my own app. Again, I, I don't. I can't imagine if I needed to hire help, hiring them on a fixed bid, and expecting my right. app to be okay. Right. This is not you wouldn't do that. And I'm not saying like chart topping. I'm saying okay. Like,
0: so I want to back up though for a second.
1: Back it up. Back it so up. So
0: how can you ever tell somebody? So if you want to, okay. So I thought we were coming towards something we could pass on to the audience, and then you tell me. He dropped this art stuff on me, which is pretty philosophical, and I'm thinking, how can we ever tell somebody
1: – it
0: almost sounds like you're coming down. If you really – if you follow that to his logical conclusion, you're saying fixed bid never works ever.
1: And I, I, don't, I don't think never ever, right? I don't think it works. I certainly don't think it works for commercial things that need to be public and for consumers. I think that's madness. That
0: sounds like – though, but see, the thing is, is people expect a fixed bid. That's the problem. People expect mm-hmm. it, right? That's, isn't that – I mean, why else do you end up with fixed bid? Why else – right it's people expect that plus but you know why it's, you know why because that's how they do price. that's how they shop it right they, they, they want to see what York price is versus somebody else's price and I would say one no, of the reasons no, why there's... fixed bid is hard is because you don't know how many hours it's going to take
1: yeah but here's the thing right I, I drive a Toyota with a bumper that's falling off Aww. I don't drive a Tesla I don't expect my Toyota to be able to go to the Tesla charging station, station charge up, and have all those wonderful features that Elon Musk made.
0: So, you're saying that because you're a low rent developer, they shouldn't expect that?
1: I think yeah. I'm saying is if you're going into any project software, art, design, hell building a kitchen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if your motivating thing is budget, you probably can't afford it. And I I say this with a heavy heart because I had a dream of being like, you know, I wanted to be the developer for the masses. We could get a job done cheap. You know, you would get a proof of concept. But the problem is everybody will sign a paper and say, yes, we know this is a V1 proof of concept. And then they try to ship it to production.
0: And they never pay you to finish the gerb
1: or they or they pay you when they're mad or they or they do pay or they're happy the worst is when they're happy actually right because they don't know how much better it could have dig been and you can't convince them that there's so much more you could do
0: is it a fad should these people just go back to having a website and stop trying to have apps
1: so i to be clear i'm not just saying apps right i'm thinking web apps websites oh
0: okay well that's crazy. true that's true i'm thinking any
1: I, hell again i'm Apples thinking on building, websites too yeah yeah I'm good point i'm thinking building your dream kitchen right if you want granite countertops but can only budget for linoleum yeah like
0: Boy, that's a hard lesson for me.
1: So the the way I wanted to take it, Chris, was all these people who email in saying, I want to be a a consultant, you know, how do I get started? And I kind of think it depends. If you have a few years of of experience, something you can point to, I'd almost say just be an hourly guy. Um, I could definitely see why someone young, someone just starting at a school, would say, oh, well, I'll do fixed bids because I need to win the contract, right? But you're probably not going to make what you think you should make. and Or if you do, it's not going to be stuff that you really want to show off.
0: Hmm. Okay, I got a question for you. Go for it. Well, it's kind of a different take on it. And I, it, it really would only work in a few scenarios. But I can give you one where I know it would work. And I wonder if people were a little more aggressive about it, if there might not be a way to make money at it. And it would be a way to do fixed bid because, well, I'll tell you why. But first... I'll tell you about our next sponsor, and that is DigitalOcean. And, man, DigitalOcean is probably going to be part of your strategy. Whatever you're building, you're you're going to want to host it on DigitalOcean. Starting at development, all the way up to production. They have hourly pricing, which makes it really great for your development testing. And then then the rest of DigitalOcean, their their infrastructure is perfect for hosting, and that's why I have a lot of systems up at DigitalOcean. Let me tell you a little bit about them. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. So... Think of it in terms of a system that has phenomenal performance, great data center speed. Like I mean, talking like their connection's great, but also the system's speed is great. So both levels, I/O and on network connection, top notch. Linux based or free BSD that you have root access to with an HTML five console in a web page, with an API that you can build applications around, and the entire community has. Okay, that's DigitalOcean right there in a droplet, right there. Boom, that's what it, right there. They call dro- they, by, by the way, they call them droplets. It's great. And you can get started at DigitalOcean in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start at only $5 a month. And that'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. A terabyte! And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. And on April 1st, they have them in Atlantis. But what is really unique about DigitalOcean is they recognized we can be four leaders on the IO with SSDs, you know, we can take what used to take entire fiber arrays with 10,000 RPM or 15,000 RPM drives and we can condense that down into SSDs. So we're going to do that. We'll check that box. That's something we can do. We're going to do that early. We're going to pay for that because we're doing this before everybody else does it. But this is something we're going to invest in all of our data centers. So we're SSD infrastructure-wide. Okay, that that was one thing they figured out first. And I think that's pretty smart. They also watched... Really great technologies that they could leverage, open source technologies that they could build on top of. And that's things like Linux, obviously, and KVM, which is one of the best virtualizers in the industry. And then all of the great technologies on top of that. And they've worked with projects like Docker and helped create things like Doku. So that way you can do one-click application deployments of things like Ruby on Rails or maybe perhaps some Python or just the Apache web stack or things as complicated as an entire CMS with one click. And you can do full DNS management all in their straightforward API. And Power Users can replicate this interface and all of its functionality with their API. So, you can see this today in their community with their apps and the cool things around that. And like, for macOS, there's some great applets that allow you to control your different droplets from the Mac desktop. Same for Ubuntu, of course. And there's even some great command line ones and some nice things to do, like You can have just local scripts on your droplets that are intelligent, that work with your package management system. So I'll give you an example. One of uh, of the things I hear from our community quite a bit is they use the API to execute a snapshot on their production droplet before they do a package upgrade, right? Because your package system supports doing uh, uh, pre and post scripts. So you just drop it in there. You execute a snapshot as the package manager is about to run on DigitalOcean's droplet using the API, and then your upgrade continues. You don't have to do anything. It's just part of your app get upgrade command. How cool is that? That's all of it. The, and there's just code already out there for you to take advantage of that. Uh, and there's tons of like, nice apps for your mobile platform, all using their API. In fact, they just released the new version of their API as well. So that's what's really cool about the interface and managing. I told you all about the technology. And they stopped there and they said, okay, we've got something amazing, but now let's take it to the next level. And, and, and no kidding... Their tutorials are best in class. The DigitalOcean tutorials are really going to get you going fast. You can just go check them out right now before you even become a customer. And the reason they've done this is they had us put out the call quite a while ago. You probably remember for a little while I was putting the call out there. You guys are super smart. So the Jupiter Broadcast, DuckDuckGo, they also did the same thing. I mean, like, they know you guys, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not blowing smoke. They know you guys are, like, the, best, the smartest audience out there. So they say, let's go to them. DuckDuckGo comes to us, and DigitalOcean did the same thing. They said, put the word out there. Let them know that we want more tutorials and we're hiring content editors. They now have a content editing staff to do these tutorials because that's a priority to them. They're just paying people full time to edit these things to make sure they have the best out there. And if you go there, they're, they're really fantastic. really fact, they're really fantastic. In fact, I'll pull it up because they're adding new ones all the time and featuring them. Here's, here's three right here. Seven security measures to protect your servers. I think that's probably not a bad one for anyone to read, DigitalOcean customer or not. How to use MongoDB one click with MongoDB to deploy MongoDB to a DigitalOcean droplet one click. Uh, how to automate the scaling of your web application on DigitalOcean. Now think about, think about the value there when DigitalOcean offers hourly pricing and they have a whole range starting at $5 a month all the way up. And when you have a big day, you could just scale. Uh, and they have tons and tons and tons and tons and st- tons and stuff. How to set up SSH keys? How to install Cassandra? Look at all this stuff, and there's just tons. There's more. There's a lot more. Go check them out. There's also an active uh, like a Stack Exchange style Q and A section uh, in here for community members, and as well as all of the projects that I, I talk about, like integration with Juju. If you're in the Ubuntu, if you're all in on the Ubuntu stack or Server Pilot, uh, Swimmer is a great app. Basin is fantastic. All this stuff available to just you as a as a DigitalOcean customer and it gets started at five dollars a month and you get a super crazy ass rig, super fast. I mean Linux is great at that, but you can also use FreeBSD. I think it's an incredible deal. So go use Coder Digital, that's our promo code. Go use Coder Digital. You'll get a ten dollar credit. You can try out that five dollar rig two months or try out one of their big boys at DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com, use our promo code Coder Digital. This is a great fit, you guys. Uh, we brought them on the network and we said, you know, we know you're gonna be a great fit and uh, it has been. I just hear from community members constantly. I have a bunch of droplets. Basically, every host on the network has droplets, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alan was like the last holdout. Now he's got droplets, too. So it's it's just great. We all have something we can use for. It's my infrastructure on demand. DigitalOcean.com, Coder Digital, when you check out. Okay, so here is my concept. Now, this might be a little cheap, but, uh, you know, I was inspired by Libsyn. Mike, are you familiar with a company called Libsyn? You're probably not.
1: Actually, I I think I am. Libsyn. Why does that sound familiar? You
0: know, you're a real son of a bitch. You know that? You know that? You know, you asshole. You have no idea the crap I take care of. How long have you been doing this show? 148 weeks, and every single episode has been delivered by Libsyn, and you have no idea who Libsyn is. Fundamental to the how this episode. No, I'm kidding. Of course you wouldn't. You don't need to. That's my job. So yeah, Libsyn. Well then, yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, so Libsyn is. Uh, it's pretty great. And if you're ever going to do your own podcast uh, and you're doing audio, use Libsyn. That's it right there. Don't use anything else. Don't host it on your website use libsyn has fat uh, they they just so they they uh boy they should be a sponsor too shit i'm giving you guys a lot of good a lot of people anyways here's what's great about libsyn they charge you based on the storage not the transfer okay the reason why that's critically important is because if you have a successful podcast and you're paying by the transfer like i do for for video um thankfully alan is super generous in the rate he gives jupiter broadcasting otherwise we wouldn't be able to do it uh but for Libsyn, you're only paying for the storage. Well, an MP3 file, what's that going to be? Anywhere from 30 megabytes to 100 megabytes. So you get a five gig account. You're not charging for the transfer. You, if you have a successful episode, maybe it makes Hacker News, it makes Reddit, something like that, and you get uh, an a, a surprise ten thousand extra downloads. You you don't pay anything more with Libsyn. Okay, so that's Libsyn in a nutshell. Uh, I don't know how they make it. I think I think they barely do, but there a lot of everybody's on there. Rogan's on there. Uh, Nerdis is on there. Everybody's on there. Um, unless they have a sponsor like Cashfly. Uh, we, put, we actually host um, all our audio feeds on Libsyn and then all of our video content on Scale Engine uh, with some audio content on Scale Engine. But Okay, so why am I telling you all of that? What's the point? This is where they started. But when the iPhone uh, started and the App Store came out, they introduced essentially a ready-to-go app. For podcasters. And all these podcasters I just mentioned, like Rogan and Nerdist, they all take advantage of it. So they do the hosting. They do the RSS feed. They do the iTunes store submission. They create it on your behalf. They just ask you for the artwork for the RSS feeds. They call it the custom mobile app. Producers can now offer loyal fans a quick access to their show and the ability to start their favorite episodes, get special apps-only content, and customize their playback experience through a stunning app available to free to their audience members. Or you can charge if you want. It could be a... It could be a and you know, we did. We, we experimented. We did one for Stoked. And uh, for a couple of weeks, I, or I mean, for a couple of months, I made a couple hundred bucks. And that was it. Uh, Lips and advanced plans include the option to create an app for your podcast for the Amazon Android market, the iOS app store. Google Play and Windows Phone. They will make it for all of these platforms for you for free as part of your service. Are you grokking this? Think
1: about I'm this grokking here. the crap okay. out of this. So we
0: mentioned that all the content displayed and published to the app is managed right within Libsyn. So you go into their web interface to do it. Our apps are also compatible with audio, video, PDFs, text, and posts. You know, if you, anybody, if you guys go do this, let them know you heard about it from me. Because geez, they sh- they should be sponsoring or at least giving me a discount. Because man, I pay out the ass to these guys. Yeah, Libsyn, I'm talking to you. And by the way, I need support. I haven't been able to get support for like a month, and I need to get a pro count. By the way. Anyways, uh, so they have a fully-serviced podcast platform, including publishing and app creation. And I've worked with them on this, and this is a pretty cool system. So I give them all the artwork to their specs. They create an app. They submit it to the various app stores, and now my podcast has an app. This is huge for podcasters. This is a really big deal. Now, how can Libsyn do this? Obviously, they have already made a great app that they just spend a lot of time building, sort of like a game shop makes a great engine that they then build future games off of, right? And they're just using this. They invested in this initial technology, and now they can extend that to meet the needs. And they do one base update, and every podcaster gets the new features. When iOS, uh, I'm 8 sorry,
1: Chris. Chris, I'm getting a little turned on. I will be right back. I'm going right. to the mentor.
0: I'll be in my bunk. So this is what I'm saying is I wonder if there isn't room out there for a lot of small businesses. Not a very sophisticated app, but it's an app that like, helps route you to their business and looks up their information and gives you their call tree and their office hours. Like, it's like a little app for, for small businesses that their, emplo- that their customers could install, and you, know, you could also probably send them push notifications about specials, and like, sure. you could build all that in and then just sell it to these, to these, to these small businesses for like $1,000 and be done. And they could charge or not charge and that'd be all on them. Or you could even offer a fully managed one like they do where they submit it to the app store for you.
1: Like, so basically white labeling.
0: Yeah. Like just build it once and then I mean the how like okay, I'm I'm thinking of like uh so I've been I've been doing these different sleep studies and getting all and but going to different offices and I'm always looking up all their information and mostly it's Google that's giving it to me and parsing it to me. But uh I a lot of times like they'll have like um Look us up on Yelp or look, like and I just think, you know, they could have a little QR code right there in their office. I could scan their app and then I could maybe even go as far as like, you know, book an appointment or something like I, I feel like they would jump all over that if they if somebody handled that for them. And they there's got to be hundreds of businesses out there that would. It must be people out there doing this, right? This, so this is where I see fixed bid working. Yes, yeah, so, so, when so there are when it's already made. cost when it's something that's it's an already made product that you're going right. to customize. And what you customize is with with usually in a certain set of amount of variables: artwork, uh, business right. location, those kinds of things. And you can even have an app that has all the features that you just turn on depending on what they pay, right? And then you've done all the work, so you can do a fixed bid in that case, probably pretty reliably. Is that too yep. extreme?
1: It's not really a fixed bid, then, right? You're just selling the license at that well what, I,
0: well you wow. would but you would pitch it as a fixed
1: bid you, you would mean, pitch it like that. yeah, know. a lot of people are doing this already and calling it white labeling, yeah right yeah I know there's a uh, there's a couple of companies that do like event apps or sales uh point booking apps that that's what they do. They just sell the same app for like a thousand bucks over and over again, which is actually if you think about it a totally viable business model and it's it's kind of like the old desktop software model right you you, you write it and then you license it. Uh, the only difference being allowing the customers' branding instead of yours.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess I, I look at you have I, to hone it on a niche, though. I think you yeah. could. You'd have to like know an industry pretty well. And, but I was
0: kind of, I was coming from your your broad sort of. Um, I have a vision of bringing uh, software to anyone with a little yeah. bit to spend, and I think okay, maybe a more way, a reliable way to deliver that is you can deliver a single product to that to that group of people
1: i think that that would have been much more viable yeah that would have been a much more uh reasonable thing to do
0: how would you know until you're at this point in the in the product life cycle because it was so new and you jump you jump in when it's so new because you see an opportunity here and sometimes it takes a while for the market to really shake out before you realize who's paying for what and what kind of customers are they and where's the profit there that you just don't know until the market matures
1: yeah, and I think we're seeing a lot of change in the market, right? We're seeing a lot of web apps. We're seeing a lot of, you know, almost almost like a split between the, the high end who cares about you know design, iteration, stuff like that, and the crazy low end who, yeah. I,
0: who refused I, to like the, the it's a point of pride not to buy software.
1: It's yeah. a point of pride, right? Not not even to like buy an app on their phone, right? right. Not to spend ninety nine cents. I so.
0: I have met people, and I don't mean to... and, I, and I'm sorry, I, audience members, if you're out there and you feel like this, like. I can kind of get in that headspace because I understand, like, if you're coming at phones from the old school of thought where this is a telephone and right. these apps are not the same as real software, right? Right. If you're coming at it from mentality, I do kind of see why people would refuse to pay. I feel like that's a super antiquated view where these are full-fledged applications and some of them actually improve my life. Uh, and so I, I really like sleep as Android, I think, is, is helped changing my life. Uh, and I have much more energy today because I've been monitoring my sleep closely with Sleep as Android. That is really I, – I, I have no qualms paying for 4.99 for that. I wish that dude charged me $15.99 for that thing. Uh, and so when people tell me – and it goes like this. Oh, I've never bought an app. Yeah, I'll no, I'll no I I'll never buy an app. And I just – I go, it's gross. It's like – that's people's hard work.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult, and, and I'm not unsympathetic, right, to even the, like, people who want to get an app done and don't want to pay a lot for it just because of how vicious the market is now.
0: Yeah, and I, there's a lot of shit apps that really don't work very well or jam full right. of ads or constantly nagging you to buy stuff, and I also get that for some people, software isn't important to them. Right. Yeah, and, I I think know, of the developers behind the software when I'm buying these apps. When I'm when I press that yeah. buy button, I'm not thinking of, ooh, instant gratification. I'm thinking thank you for making this. Thank you for working hard when I push that buy button.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's the norm though, right? right. I, I I mean I've seen, you know, I've seen people who will spend five dollars on a drink at Starbucks agonize over a ninety nine.
0: Yes. App. Yes. Or yeah. actually the person I was talking to had smoked almost a pack of cigarettes that day and I thought and and again, no judgment, but I just thought to myself, like it is like I thought. It is interesting because to me, I would have a very hard time justifying the cost of that cigarettes, but I do not have a hard time justifying the apps. Whereas this lady had no problem justifying the cigarettes, but had a hard time justifying the app. And it's just simply a different set of priorities, and one set is more uh, right. you know, is better for her. Uh, but for me, I oh boy, I just I hate to hear I hate to hear the tone in your voice because it sounds like the dream is a little bit uh, well. What
1: it is, you much? know what it is I, I, at some point even as like a customer, someone who buys apps, right? You have to understand that everybody needs to make a profit. Because if you don't let your vendor of choice, you know, either whether they're doing work for you or or just, you know, you're buying Instacast or something like that, if you don't actually, if you're unwilling to pay or trying to cut every corner you can cut, you're you're going to eliminate that product, right, eventually. If there's enough people like you, that product's going to go away. Because in the case of the app, that developer is going to say, What am I, crazy? Let me just go get a job making six figures. Well that's what it's I was gonna ask you. It's like it right.
0: sounds like is uh like uh, unless you find that niche that generates revenue. Uh, it's like you either have to be in a special category
1: or... Right, or you have to have like do the thing where you get a following, right? Like a lot, like, It seems like a lot of these more successful iOS indie developers have done. And that seems to be the route, particularly on iOS, that they've gone,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, that seems, though... Um,
1: Dangerous. Yeah, I mean, exactly.
0: Temporary, perhaps.
1: Right. Because it just I takes mean,
0: upsetting the monster or a beast, and then all of a sudden you're not on the... Well,
1: mission. that's like being head cheerleader, right? You, you have to maintain that position, and you have to be careful, and blah, blah, blah. I I don't know. I mean I I don't I think maybe the issue is the the low end has always been treated badly because it's the low end. And my idea that you could treat the low end well was ended up not being true. Hm. You have to, you know, there's a reason people turn away customers that aren't a corporation, right? Like there's there's a reason that you know, you you Honestly, there's a reason you just won't do business with people. Like,
0: do you uh <clears throat> do you feel like uh if you could have if you had a time machine, you could go back and tell yourself, what would what would be like what would be advice you would tell your past self? Is it is it focus on something specifically or is it uh more try a different tack because here's what i'm because after you answer that i have i have a follow-up question so first of all is there do you have something that, like that stands out at you like when you think you know in that i context? would
1: say i would tell myself to do what it seems like a lot of companies are doing focus on the people who are affluent and who have right. money okay that's and what I was who wondering. aren't yeah. who aren't gonna cry over you know spending a little bit of money so this is
0: what i thought you'd say so here's what i'm asking you but, and i've noticed you is do you not see wearables as a land of of potential revenue where people that have a, yeah. enough money to buy a smartphone and a three to twenty thousand dollars smartwatch? Right. Uh,
1: that, that that to me that seems like and again, again it's only going to be the promised land for a little while. Right. But those are gonna, the people that have money. Right, and it's not just having money. Right. It's you know, Chris, a hundred dollars means something to you. It means something to me. It means a hell of a lot less to Bill Gates. <laughs> Right, and you and I—if we lost, let's let's say you and I lost five thousand dollars—we might act on that, right? We might be angry. <laughs> yeah. Bill Gates is going to say it's not worth my time, right? So there, there, there's all kinds of situations where, you know, let's take Code Journal. I sold it for five dollars. You know how many angry emails I got from Bitbucket users who didn't read the damn description, bitching me out because oh, you took five dollars. First of all, you bought it. I had nothing to do with that transaction. Apple took five dollars, or or Gumroad if you bought it through them. Um, but you didn't read it, and I'd always give the refund, but it always felt kind of dirty. Like, you know, I used to give my kid brother more money than that to go buy candy, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm fighting over nothing. I'm fighting over pennies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it just seems it always felt like, you know, I I knew some people who who were like, wow, you're charging five bucks for that. Meanwhile, they'd buy a fifteen dollar martini, right? And it just seemed like it's such a weird, vicious situation to be in, and like. I don't I'm old and cranky that that's that's the lesson today for everybody
0: well it's uh it's a it's a and I've kind of said this before but it's a marketplace where it's it's the it's in the best position for the platform for those apps to be cheap it's really the best thing it's like consoles right and uh that is always going to make it hostile to developers pricing always the nature of that marketplace
1: yeah, and, and and I mean, to be fair, right, it's not so much safer, safer as a cheese bacon in the chat room saying. And if you get a job you will t- at an agency list, you will totally Newell, get laid off if they don't get a contract.
0: Here's the thing is I think what you and I are kind of pontificating about right now right. is the realization that Gabe Newell had when he heard that Windows 8 was going to have an app store. And he thought, no, no way do I want. The, my games, driven, their price is driven into the ground yep. because it, they're in some app store. Yep. And I think that's where – he was so – I think he saw it so clearly that they decided to start SteamOS. Like he, he saw that and think about think about the level of response that is. When you decide you're going to go make your own Linux-based gaming platform for consoles yeah. – that's how clearly he saw this.
1: Like that's an extreme overreaction, right? Like but that's, perhaps that's
0: crazy. it was. Well, was it or was it proportionally exactly the move they had to make at that time because there's literally no other way for them to survive? I mean, look at what we just said, the app stores, and think about if they want, if they, need, if they need to sell games at $55 to 40, $40 to $60 to survive. Let's say, let's just for the sake of argument, assume that's true. They have to make $40 to $60. Well, you take 30% of that, okay? Right. That's going to hurt and you you know you know it's in it's in all of the platforms interest to drive the prices down as much as they
1: right, so, can so let's take it back to where we started though right consulting actual actually doing the work as a vendor what do you think a relatively complicated app ought to cost i'm just curious cuz you're you know, you're like one level separated from development right
0: uh so like our, uh i mean back in the day it would have been 49.99 uh if, if i would have got it at uh, compusa right. in a box
1: Per license, right? Not to develop it, per license. Yeah, so, and that
0: would have been, you know, if it, and, and 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 on the higher range, maybe one hundred and thirty dollars if if it was something for home use. If it was for business, it would usually start around three hundred dollars. Right.
1: So, okay, and how much do you think, you know, if, if let's say let's I don't know, someone who's at a business, right? Sierra Software hired you to do the Sierra app. How much do you good. think they'd pay you? Or they'd pay your company?
0: Oh, let's see. Let's mm-hmm. say it's a it's a fairly decent app to build. Right. I don't know. I mean, it could be over. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Six on the
1: figures. St- I mean, could we, could we could we safely say? Yeah, it, 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 know, could,
0: it, it could be a considerable I amount did. of money depending on the size of the game. I mean, like some games literally, like games today, have movie studio budgets.
1: Right. So, but they did that knowing they could sell it for sixty dollars a license. Now, when you can't sell it for a dollar, that that whole trickle down system goes to hell. That's right, Taper. I think that's what's happening with, you know, I see all these crappy apps in the marketplace, and, you know, I have total sympathy for the developers who worked on this. I'm like, I know exactly why you did that yeah. because he, you couldn't afford not to. Like,
0: and the watch isn't going to fix anything, is
1: it? The watch is going to hurt. The, the watch is going to be a temporary fix because you can target, you know, kind of highbrow, high end focused apps to, to a small segment at first. But there's going to be a cheaper watch, right? It's, it's going to go the way the iPhone went.
0: Well, and there's going to be a lot of Android Wear watches, too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that leaves it.
1: To be Uh, honest, it seems like... Actually, I've just accepted a great offer at a company called uh, Valve, where I'm going to be a janitor. Jeez. that would be hilarious. I love
0: that.
1: I'm taking my DOS keyboard, hooking it to a broom, and I'm clickety-clacking my way to cleanliness. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and you're gonna be moving to the Pacific Northwest, no doubt. Never. You know what you ought we'll to do? Come out body. here. Come out here for Linux Fest Northwest, and I'll take you to a few places that might be. Hiring. There's some good places out here.
1: Is this oh a- my god! Do do they have like uh, So so what's the deal? Coffee's a big thing up there, right? Oh yeah,
0: sure. Ca- caffeine's big. Yeah.
1: <sighs> we should yeah. we should go. We should go on the road show. I want a cup of coffee at every place you take me uh,
0: to. I gotta tell you, there is. Phew, Oh my gosh, dude. That's that's a that's a that is a that's a trip in itself, going to different <coughs> coffee places up here. But there are some phenomenal places around here that we can go to. So don't you worry about it. All right, mister Dominic, is there anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here for get 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 out of here for the week?
1: No, I think we're good, good, good.
0: Okay, all right, very good. Well, how about? Uh, don't forget, uh, we we want to draw our topic from the subreddit next week. So go to coderadio.reddit.com. Submit uh, some great pieces to discuss, like blog posts would be good, or uh, news stories that you think uh, need some conversation around them, or maybe uh, a self, uh, like just a text thread. If you got like something you want to throw in our face. Go to coderadio.reddit.com or email us, jupiterbroadcasting.com contact. Choose Coder Radio from the drop down. And don't forget to join us live, jblive.tv. We do this show Mondays, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar to get that in your local time zone. And go check out Mr. Dominic. He's on Twitter, all those good things. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coder Radio. See you right back here next week.